0: I feel like I need to give a warning before this episode that if you thought last episode was bad, uh, buckle your seatbelt because part two is a thousand times worse. And if I have to watch another Andrew Tate clip again, I will jump off of a cliff. Enjoy. Prepare to turn right. <sighs> first category we're going to talk about is mild we're going to talk about how he's arrogant okay and i don't just mean like acting cool online i mean he's genuinely just an arrogant person okay so let's let's examine that so the first thing that we have here is a tweet and these tweets really do fall in line again with what i mentioned before you know removing the teleology from you know, behaviors and making them all about personal benefit instead of purpose and objective morality. So, let's read a couple tweets. So, the first one says, and this is him talking about donating. So, there's a tweet from April 12th that says, you must purify your wealth by giving a percentage of it each year to charity. And then he talks about, Whatever there's a video of how much he donated to charity, and then in this second tweet that I'm that, that is the main focus, he says, twenty five million US dollars will be donated this year. Let the haters talk endless false virtue and help precisely nobody. Will pretend to care that I'm dangerous. They only hate on me for clicks and attempt to get money for their failing careers. I'm gonna save the world." Okay, so a few points here. So looking at the first tweet that he then you know responds to, that um, later he when he's talking about charity right so he doesn't say here charity is a virtue this is why charity is good right it's about I mean and it would be fine if he said you know purify your wealth by giving to charity but also you know was telling his followers why he gives to charity because it's a moral that he has and because it's a good thing but he says you must purify your wealth by giving a percentage of it each year to charity as in it's about your wealth In order to purify it so you can feel better about it, you should give to charity. That's his focus. And I'm not saying, it's amazing that he's giving to charity. Great, fantastic. But the messages that he's giving his followers about morality are that it's all about, you know, your personal gain from that moral thing. That his argument is that morals create good results for you that is not a good argument it might be a argument that you know sounds good but we're moral even when it's hard we're moral even when it it means sacrifice it's not about just getting good results for yourself it's about doing the right thing so that's kind of the side point but now just focusing on this arrogance and it's again it's kind of like I understand and this is Candace kind of mentioned this in her interview with Andrew Tate, she's like yeah I don't really understand it and it just seems like silly to me but men are pe- like peacocking you know they like showing off and and being cool and there's nothing wrong with that but that doesn't mean that one that doesn't mean that it's right just because it's natural but that's kind of a side point too there's nothing wrong with you know being a little bit over the top and excessive and bragging but his whole image everything he does is centered around this idea of him being the best and that's not attractive and if it is attractive that's a problem that's being drawn to someone who's arrogant so he says you know like my haters just talk but they don't actually help anyone I help people I save the world no we don't give charity because it makes us feel I mean yeah it makes But I I like giving charity It makes me feel good I like helping people great but that shouldn't be the reason you do it this kind of again ties back to that same idea but he's arrogant in that he says that it's all about you know I'm actually helping people I'm giving all this money I'm, I'm so great no you shouldn't feel like I'm giving charity that makes me an amazing person no you should be humble about it and say I recognize that with the amount of wealth that I have I'm capable of giving this much to charity and I'm fortunate to be able to do that and even if you want to, you know, brag and be silly about it, you can't just, your whole image can't just be this arrogant, like, th- yeah, this arrogant person because that, and then that people start to, you know, think that's who you are and people start to be attracted to you because of that. And people start to learn from that, especially his young, impressionable, mostly male followers, you know? So there's nothing again there's nothing wrong with kind of being silly about it but not teaching them any actual values and just making yourself seem as cool as possible without actually explaining what is so important about giving to charity not about your personal gain from it and about how it makes you so great that's problematic okay next one this is another tweet my sheer perspicacity coupled with sheer indefatigability, makes me a feared opponent in any realm of human endeavor. Okay, so at first it just seems very silly, very overblown and overdramatic on purpose. And really, if a regular person had tweeted this, it would just be funny. The fact that he's using like absurdly large words that really aren't necessary, you know, very obviously doing that and just the dramatic tone it's just weird but if it was someone else I would think it was funny but when all his tweets are like this and everything he says has this tone then that becomes his persona so either it's all an act everything he's doing is an act in which case he's purposely grifting to gain impressionable followers young people who see this and aspire to this lifestyle you know this this hyper intelligent hyper masculine hyper wealthy type of you know lifestyle and way of acting and and you know and showing yourself to the world or so either it's that it's this kind of joke or it's seriously how he thinks, in which case we have a very bad role model. So that's really what I'm trying to, we're, what we're getting into, we're going to get into here is all these things make him just a bad person and a bad role model. So even if what he's saying is correct, which I kind of explained how it isn't, but even if what he was saying was correct, we don't want people, the people who give us us our messages to be bad people because your actions speak louder than your words and whether or not you think you can sep- you know like we always say you can separate art from artists and things like that whether or not you can if you're looking up to someone as a role model and you were getting your values from someone but their actions don't match what they're saying it's it they what they're saying is not going to it's not going to permeate So, we can say that one person, you know, or people will say, yeah, my life was turned around by Andrew Tate, but what other messages, what other supplemental messaging are you getting or are you just engaging in cognitive dissonance by totally ignoring the fact that his actions don't match the things he says, right? So, when we're talking about all these things that make him a bad role model, these really do have a bearing on the fact that he's seen as this great person because you can't have these things that you've done in your in your past that you haven't apologized for and things you're doing in your present also and then purport you're a role model because of the way you talk right so here's just one example he's arrogant he's extremely arrogant more than what would be seen as kind of a joke and you know the way he lives his life and the fact that he's so much money and the way he talks about his wealth and things like that make it seem like this is a lifestyle and not an act then that is who he is, and that is the, type, the person giving messaging to young men in society today. So that's one aspect. is his arrogance. So the next thing we're going to talk about is how he's manipulative. So we're going to start off with a story that he tells about when he was operating a webcam company, being a pimp, a pornography business. I'm not going to use the euphemisms that people like to use. It was a pornography business. He was a pimp. Anyone who says otherwise just is uncomfortable with that language because it means that someone they're looking up to is a pimp. <laughs> um, okay, so he tells this story of during that time where he, some of the girls he he who were working for him, he, who was pimping, I'm not going to, again, I'm not going to soften the language, were um, Russian or Ukrainian, so they were able to use this ruse of pretending they were gonna go see this guy they just had a visa problem so they had to go to the embassy whole thing I don't really know the specifics and he tells the story of how then he would you know manipulate these men into sending money into um yeah pouring their life savings into these people and you know repeatedly sending the money and then they, they would use this is one of the ruses they would use you know I need money for a plane ticket or whatever and then they would obviously and then they would say then I'll come see you but then they wouldn't okay so take a listen to the story
1: eventually the girl what she would do is she'd say oh I don't want to go to embassy she'd give a really lame excuse to try and provoke the man to get angry so she'd say the embassy want me to come back but I have a headache that was the one we'd use <laughs> he'd be like I just sent you a million dollars you promised you were going to come you said you had to delay now you're saying you have a fucking headache and you won't go to your appointment to make him mad on purpose because that would annoy any man and then, that's what we needed. We needed a little trigger. We'd go, why are you being aggressive? I'm not being aggressive, but you're not serious, da, da, da. And then we'd say, but you know what? I, I really like you and I'm flying to the other side of the world by myself and now you're being aggressive and now I'm intimidated. And we'd flip it on him saying, well, now you're being scary. No, I'm not being scary, but you you know, it's your appointment, you're supposed to go, yeah, but I feel sick and you don't even care. Female bull oh my female my bull my and mother- flip, it oh flip it on him, flip it on him. And he'd get f- f- furious, because we were really good at f- f- sides. P- yeah, poking him to the point where we would go like, you're a f- scammer, you're f- Scam me, get really mad. I can't believe you think I was a scammer. I was gonna come. I went to the embassy. You're a fucking liar. The guy would get pissed off, right? And leave, stop tipping her, stop coming to her. But for these men, that's the only chick in the world, the only hot chick in the world who talks to him. Maybe it takes a week, maybe it takes two weeks, maybe it takes three weeks. He's in bed at night alone, jerking off, looking at her old videos and pictures, watching her stream again from another account so she can't see it's him, sitting there going, maybe she was gonna come. Maybe I just got too mad when she had a headache. Maybe. Maybe I maybe I should have been a little bit more patient and she would have been my girlfriend. And 100% of the time, in less than three months, they'd be back with an apology, a brand new pile of money, and the cycle would repeat. We f***ing killed the game. Millions of dollars a week. And it was not just because I had beautiful girls. It's not because webcam is easy. It's because I am a genius. And I put together an apparatus of genius behind the avatar of beauty. And we f- conquered the internet
0: so when you hear that what you're listening to is him explaining essentially how he exploits lonely men the ones he purportedly you know speaks for now but keep in mind he hasn't apologized for this behavior the most he's done is say he regrets it and he's changed but he hasn't said that it was bad he hasn't admitted that it was wrong so he has not said this was wrong he does not think what he did was that bad he doesn't think he hurt anyone he said I've hurt no one we're going to discuss that later when we talk about the Candace interview he said he hurt no one and he's done nothing wrong so keep that in mind but what he's essentially saying here is how he manipulates male loneliness for his own financial gain ignoring the exploiting women part which we're going to get to I have like 15 million things to say about that obviously I'm like progressively trying to get worse um to like ease into the really bad stuff and not that this isn't really bad this is also terrible but th- that speaks you know so that says a lot that this isn't even considered that bad um but basically what yeah what he's doing is manipulating men manipulating their loneliness and using women to do that which is also bad to get money To get millions and millions of dollars. And that's what he says he makes. We're going to listen to another clip. Listen to how much he says he makes.
1: I had these guys selling their houses. Life savings. Loans. All of it to me. Give me it all.
0: He is preying on the loneliness of young men. Or whatever age men. To sell their life savings to him. Because they're paying these models. Because they're sending them money. In the hopes that they'll get to meet them someday. It's unreal the fact that he says he hasn't hurt anyone the fact that he says he's not sorry and he did the best that he could at some point like newsflash even if he was poor at one point at some point he was no longer poor and he continued to do it because he's a bad person there's nothing to do with him being poor and needing to you know have a few girls work for him which is terrible and never justified which we're going to get into but this wasn't a small scale operation that he did one time 10 years ago this was a massive company making him millions of dollars at the expense of these young men and these young women terrible this is a manipulative person and this also kind of ties into a later point but I'm going to discuss this at the end but the notion that these people these men really have changed as if they don't know how to manipulate clearly they know how to manipulate people they know how to get inside your head. They know how to get you to think what they want you to think. They know how to play off of your weaknesses. So the notion that these men aren't smart enough or aren't bad enough people to be grifting to the entire conservative movement right now is ridiculous. Of course they are. We see it right here in this, these clips. And these are not the role models we should be looking up to. Someone who behaves like this does not apologize, just says they didn't hurt anyone, says it wasn't that bad is not a conservative role model. Sorry if that's controversial. It should not be. The next clip is actually a few clips. There's, I feel like I should have given credit to this, um, to this Twitter account before, but I'm really going to start using their clips a lot in this last part, or not this last part, this next part, but um, okay, so the account is Milk Bar TV. And basically what they've been doing along with another one, I don't remember the name, have been getting, making compilations of the Tate brothers and kind of exposing their hypocrisy, you know, so they'll put out a clip of Andrew Tate saying one thing in an interview with Candace and then show 10 years of clips where he said the opposite. And show how you know he has been lied you know he'll say it was 10 years ago and then they'll pull up clips showing him talking about being involved in it two years ago and they're basically exposing his lies and also compiling a lot of clips exposing their old behavior which I think is fantastic so this next clip is a couple clips put together of different things that they have said that Andrew Tate has said so and there's again there's some like ominous music behind it definitely that's intentional so just take a listen to this
1: And I ended up opening a webcam company where girls would sit on a laptop and they would talk to guys on the internet for money. That's what they would do. It's like, you know what, I'm taking over. So what I did is I unplugged their keyboards and plugged a new one in from me behind the screen. So the chicks would sit there and hit a keyboard that wasn't plugged in. And me and my brother, and eventually some staff I trained, would do all the talking. The girls would sit there fully clothed or a bikini. The girls were just pure, just famoosers, just laughing. And doing this, the titty's out.
0: Okay, just one thing to get out of the way about that before we get into the main argument that I was going to make. The notion that there was no nudity involved is BS. And he admits he ran, you know, a webcam. He won't, I don't know if he'll say pornography. Maybe he will. But, you know, you hear in those clips, the first one, he uses this rhetorical strategy where he groups in fully clothed and bikinis into the same category to make it seem like they were just regular women having conversations with men on the internet, when obviously that was not the case, and fully clothed and bikini are not the same thing, Um, and then obviously in that later clip, then he says there was nudity involved. Obviously, there was nudity involved. Anyone who denies that is really just denying the facts. It's not, this is not, that's not negotiable. Obviously, he's later, he even admitted, you know, with Candace that nudity was involved. He won't maybe call it a pornography business. He won't maybe call himself a pimp now, even though then he would have. Um, you know, his PhD's pimp and hose degree. Such it's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, so I just want to get that out of the way. But yeah, my main thing here is he is manipulative and he knows how to manipulate. This is not a role model we should be looking up to. He would unplug their keyboards and plug in his own so he, he knew what to say to get the men to keep engaging, keep sending money keep funding his lifestyle essentially so again the notion that these are good role models these are good conservative role models because they acted this way and then just get a free ride because they claim they've changed and they claim that they no longer do this even though they never apologize they he said he won't apologize to um, Andrew Tate by they, I mean both the Tate brothers, and have said that they don't think what they did was so bad. How can you manipulate someone to that degree where you are ripping them off of thousands of dollars to millions of dollars, every single day manipulating people, acting in this way, not feeling any remorse? There's one clip where someone asked him, you know, do you feel bad? He says, I don't give an F. He says he doesn't care at all. How can you manipulate someone to that degree and feel no remorse over it and not admit it was wrong? So, if you're Arrogant to the degree that you cannot admit in anything, in which case you're a bad role model, or you really don't think what you did was wrong. Either way, to be this manipulative without apology, and then expect to just be lauded as a conservative hero, is ridiculous. And it's frustrating seeing conservatives fall for this man. This next clip is just awful. Take a listen.
1: I want to try something. Who do I choose? Alright, let's try this one. Hello. I'm in. Uh, Hello. Hi, yeah, hi. I'm in the hotel in Prague. There's been a problem with my okay. bank. There's been a problem with my bank cards. They've frozen all my cards. I don't know what it is. I'm gonna have to talk to the banks and find out what it's to do with. I think it might be to do with one of my passports, which was closed. I need you to send me ten thousand dollars. I'm gonna send you some bank details. I want you to send me ten grand, but I need it like urgently. I'm okay. gonna give it back to you, but I need it urgently. Is that okay? Okay.
0: Okay. Okay. okay.
1: Please, yeah. as soon as as soon as you can. I'm gonna send okay. you the details now.
0: Sure.
1: All right, baby. Bye. Okay. Bye. <laughs> That's how easy the game is, gentlemen. You make them right. That's how easy it is. She's going to blow up my phone for the next hour. Are you okay? Where do I send the money?
0: Please. Please let me give you my money. Shut up.
1: I don't need your money. I'm a G.
0: So not only is he lying to and manipulating men to get their money, but also the women he's in relationships with. And I say women because he was in relationships with many women at once, did not care about them, exploited them, lied to them, and as we see here, manipulated them for their own money. And he Already, by the way, which we're going to get into, we're t- the whole pimp thing we haven't even gotten into yet, he was not giving them a large cut of that money. Just put it at that, less than half. But anyways, this is your conservative role model, I don't understand, and it really should be, so, I shouldn't be two hours and 26 minutes into this, it it shouldn't take this long, really, Andrew Clavin. I don't know if he's talked so much about Andrew Tate, but he just can't even fathom, he's like, I don't understand how anyone looks up to this pimp, abusive man, like, to him, it's so simple, and I don't understand why this is so hard to understand. Why are we lauding a person who has done these terrible things? And we're really scratching the surface right now. Done these terrible things where he just, this is a person who's probably very afraid of wronging him. He is, he employs her, pimps her, essentially. Um, he's in charge, you know, get, pays her, is in a relationship with her, presumably. And now is asking for money and what's she going to say? And what are the consequences of her saying that? So, and then he laughs about it. No remorse. This is, this is kind of psychopathic behavior or sociopathic behavior. Just laugh, manipulating someone to that degree. And, you know, getting them so, because he says, you know, like you, I'm not going to use the language he used, but you know, you sleep with them once and then you just have total control over them, and that's such like a weird way of thinking about relationships. This isn't someone who, who values these women. This isn't someone who's in healthy relationships. This is someone who uses again uses things as tools to help himself. You know, he uses the, pa- he, the, the you know the relationship and the way that he's gotten these women to look up to him and to you know be subservient to him in some sense. And to his own full advantage. And it's really terrible. And I feel like I'm just going to be a broken record. But this is not a conservative role model. He's not apologized for this behavior. He says no one got hurt. So either A, he doesn't think it's wrong. Or B, he knows it's wrong, but won't admit it. Either way, not a role model. Next. It's time to get into the fact that he is a pimp. (laughs) Kenny near the element in the room and I'm not saying that once you sin you're always a sinner and you always have that on you but when you don't apologize and you don't live you don't you know you don't own up to the gravity of your sins then yeah I'm gonna call you a pimp I don't care so we're gonna start by and obviously their website has been like wiped clean of any mention of the fact that they used to run a pornography business and used to be PIMS because now obviously they're cleaning up their image but uh, there's these screenshots have been verified pretty much I've, these are the ones that everyone sees there have been you know archives old versions of the website that have been verified and furthermore because of the way they speak which we're going to play later it matches up to pretty much what was said on their website and these are not fake videos these are not AI generated it's so that I have to like make that distinction nowadays but it's pretty clear. So, the argument that these I don't really see anyone arguing that they aren't real, but they're real. So, we're going to read them. So, this says, Who am I? This is like on his website. My name is Andrew Tate. I'm a retired four time world champion kickboxer who is now a multimillionaire. I'm the most competent person on the entire planet to teach you about male female interactions. How did I become rich? Webcam. Why am I an expert on all male female interactions? I've been running a webcam studio for nearly a decade. I've had over 75 girls work for me, and my business model is different than 99% of webcam studio owners. Over 50% of my employees were actually my girlfriends at the time. Of all, of all my girlfriends, none were in the adult entertainment industry before they met me. I'm just going to keep going. My job was to get women to fall in love with me. Literally, that was my job. My job was to meet a girl, go on a few dates, sleep with her, test if she's quality, get her to fall in love with me where she'd do anything I say, and then get her on webcam so we could become rich together. Whether you agree or disagree with what I did with their loyalty, submission, and love for me doesn't matter. You cannot reject the results. And the results are simple. My girlfriends would do more than 99.9% of M's wives would do for them. What did I learn in this job? First thing, keeping four girlfriends all happy is a lot is hard work and leaves you with very little time. So you learn how to how to streamline getting new good girlfriends. All women are not created equal. This is how I came up with what is in the PhD system. I learned the more that the more efficient way to meet girls, get them through the dating process, get them to bed, test if they're good a good girl or not, and begin the process of them falling deeper and deeper into love. That is my skill. To extremely efficiently get women to fall in love with me. That's it. And no one else in the internet is teaching this. No one. Who are most my webcam girls' customers? Rich men. Yes, rich. being rich won't save you from a life of misery with women who don't want you. Guess what else? Being strong won't save you either. If you're whatever swear word with women nothing you do financially or physically will save you look at jeff bezos submission loyalty admiration and love cannot be bought has to be forced Ooh, that's red flag there um and it's not luck will the phd system change your life do you have a girl wh- who completely trusts your decisions will do anything you say and loves you deeply yes or no if you, your answer is yes i guarantee 90 percent of you are lying to yourselves read the question again understand what i mean when i say anything and ask yourself if you have ever tested your belief. If your you, answer is no, you're missing out on one of the one of life's greatest pleasures. Doesn't matter your age, you should be have a loving girlfriend. If you're too busy to get one, good. The PhD system was made for you. If you're happy touching, okay, I'm gonna skip that. Um, the power is not for you. What exactly do you get with the PhD program? Hours of video content where I will teach you how to text women, how to build your social medias to pick up women, best first dates to bring women on, best follow-up dates, how to approach women, the framework that all male-female interactions are based on how to see if a woman is high quality, my opening lines, how to get women in bed, the critical mistakes most men make, how to stay on her mind without interaction, and why this all works so well. You we also offer full telegram support for all questions and specific scenarios you come across for one year. Any question or problem you have will be solved. There's also images of him with the, the Tate brothers with women, um, images of women. It's weird, really weird. And very creepy. And it's very clear why they scrubbed it from their website, but you can even tell it's them based on the language. Andrew um, Tate loves doing this thing where he's like, no, like he'll ask a question and then be like, think about it. Think about what I really mean. Like he likes doing that, you know, to seem smart. But <laughs> really, I should have just read all that. I should have played my intro music, read all that, stopped recording, uploaded it, and that should be convincing enough. To talk about things that way, and not regret the behavior that you did. And again, you see how this is the Redfield Manosphere, right? And this is talking, you know, talking directly to men who are struggling in relationships, who feel lonely and inadequate, and telling them they can get a girlfriend who will do anything for them if they listen to him. First of all, it kind of sounds like a cult leader, um, but that's a separate point. But you see how you know, men who already are feeling disenfranchised and feeling like they're not valued in society, how you have a man who's super rich, super successful, lots of muscles, comes on and says, do X, Y, and Z, I will help you, and here's everything you need to know, etc. You can see why that is so attractive to young men, but then what he did in his own personal life was evil, Essentially, and we're going to play a bunch of clips where he's going to explain this. But essentially what he did is he, you know, meets a girl, gets her to fall in love, sleeps with her, decides if he, you know, wants to continue the relationship. If, if he does, then he, you know, starts saying, you know, you should do this webcam business with me. And his point is, his point is that he gets women so madly in love with him that they will do anything for him and will never say no. That, to me, sounds like a red flag, and also, I'm going to keep going back to this, and I'm so glad that Ben Shapiro put it this way, removes the teleology of a relationship, right? What's the purpose of a relationship? Is it to get what you want from your partner? No, and this is, I was taking a class, and what, it was with the rabbi, what the rabbi said was, you know, you know the book, like, men are from, what is it? Like, men are from Mars, women are from, no, men are, What was it? Yeah, I think Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, whatever that book is. But the problem with that book is, I think this is the original subtitle. I noticed it looks like it's changed now, but what that subtitle is, is a practical guide for improving communication and getting what you want in your relationship. So that kind of makes it, okay, the book is saying I'm going to teach you about men and women and explain, you know, how men and women work, how they're different, which, you know, if Tate was just explaining that, just saying, I understand women. I can tell you, you know, how to, how to approach women, you know, how to, you know, what to say on a date. But, you know, just because I think relationships are good and I want you to all be happy in life and get married and have children and I can help you do that because, not because I'm a pimp, because I think I understand men and women. Nothing wrong with that. But just like with the subtitle of this book, it, the point of it is to then get what you want out of it. You shouldn't be going into a relationship because you want to get everything you can possibly get out of it. I mean, you, sh- you you want to, like, benefit from the relationship, but you don't want to be like, I'm going to manipulate my partner into getting whatever I want from her, right? Getting whatever I want from him, right? Meaning, the point of being in a relationship isn't so you can benefit as much as possible. It is so that you can have a relationship with this person and you can both mutually benefit, and build trust for each other, and have a loving, healthy relationship, where it isn't all about you, it's about the couple, it's about the relationship, it's about you as a pair, not as you exploiting your partner to get whatever you want from them, because you know, you understand women enough that you know how to manipulate women, right? Same thing with Andrew Tate, what he's saying is, I know about how to get women, and I'm going to help you because then you'll have a partner who will never say no, who will do anything for you. That's not the point of a relationship. You're not supposed to get into a relationship to to manipulate someone enough that they'll do anything for you. That's not the point of a relationship. It's not to get everything you can out of the, your partner by lying to and exploiting them. The point of a relationship is not that. He's removing that part. And he's just focusing on getting what you want out of it. And this is obviously just terrible in the way he talks about Women in relationships is just disgusting, kind of. Not kind of, it is disgusting. And it's weird and it's creepy. And he is manipulating these vulnerable young men and getting them to idolize him by telling them these things about women. And, giving, and before he scrubbed this, giving them examples from his personal life of how he's a pimp. So now we're going to listen to some clips of them talking about how they're pimps, talking about their pornography business, talking about how they manipulate women, talking about, you know, basically being de- degrading toward women in both language and action. So I have a bunch on that. So let's just start going to start with some more general clips about, you know, their attitudes toward pornography, toward, you know, the fact, you know, toward being pimps, their attitude toward it. And then we'll get into more of their actual behavior. So this is them talking about how easy, in a sense, it is for them. It's weird.
1: When you're a G, you just accidentally, like, pimping hoes. You go somewhere, there's some. big. Like hi, like yeah hi, yeah I'm the man. Oops, oops. She's a dude. The real G's know what I'm saying. Like you're pimping. You don't even want it. It's a pimping.
0: Let's listen to another one, and then I'll respond to both of them. This one is about Andrew and Tristan.
1: If you have a daughter or if you have a girlfriend she wants to go traveling, tell her she's not allowed. She's not allowed to go traveling. Tristan banged nine girls in seven days. No prostitutes. Nine new girls in seven days. They're, it's out there to the real world. That's what happened. What, what were their names? I don't know. They came there to find themselves. They found themselves naked
0: in my bed. So here you see how Andrew and Tristan kind of have this cavalier attitude toward women and toward relationships. And it's very weird. It's all about, you know, temporary pleasure. It's all about monetary gain. It's all about, you know, these things I can get out of it, but not actually a meaningful relationship. And you might think this is just a regular, you know, promiscuous man. And I like using that term for him because he's the type to think that only women can be promiscuous. And I just find it funny to apply it to him. Um, So he's not just a regular promiscuous man because the way he views these relationships and then well, from there, springboard into the way he uses the women he's in relationships with is much worse. So let's listen to the way you know that he treats the women he's in relationships with. And the key aspect of it is power, which is a massive red flag if I've ever seen one. So let's listen. These clips are going to get progressively worse. I have four clips here about... How he views relationships and how it's about power, and then from there we're gonna very easily segue into the pimping business. Um, yeah, they get worse, so I'll give like warnings before some of the bad ones. Um, but okay, we're just gonna start with an interesting take here.
1: I can hate when men say that? Oh my god, she said yes. Why are you with a bitch that would say no? Why are you with a woman paying for her dinner? Sleeping next to her every night, not f these homes, not cheating, behaving yourself, coming home, not hanging out with the boys, doing all this s***, sh- and you're not a thousand percent sure she would say yes? And you're sitting there going, I hope,
0: I hope she says yes, and then if she does, you're happy? So it's very clear to him that relationships are about power for him, and we're going to see later how he uses that power, but it's about power for him. He can't understand mutual respect it's very bizarre right so for him it's of course she'll say yes because I've manipulated her so much to the point that I have total control over her and he loves that control this is a huge red flag this love of you know power and complete and total you know control it's weird it's weird it's very weird here's the next one
1: Every single lesson in life has to be taught. It doesn't matter what it is. If she's never had anyone to teach her that respect, well, maybe you're the man who's going to make her respect. You're going to make her appreciate masculinity. I'll tell you something now, man. The girls who were the biggest red flags and the girls who looked like the most problems, after I I once and ignore them, and they've never been ignored before in their life, they're the ones who crumble hardest. They're the ones who completely lose their shit because it's never happened to them. So mm-hmm. if I do meet a girl and I see a bunch of red flags and she has all these male friends and she's always out partying, whatever, whatever, and I sleep with her once and I never text her again, they're the ones who break down in their heads faster than the good girls because they, they're so used to having their own way. I'll teach you to respect masculinity one way or another. Don't worry. If you don't respect masculinity, it's fine. Well, if, 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 you're, if you're unfixable, we'll sleep together once and I'll never talk to you again.
0: Cool. Mm-hmm.
1: One time is enough for me. I remember. I'm smart. Bye.
0: So here is this attitude of using his relationships as a way to you know get this woman to do what he wants you know to think the way he wants them to think you know he says he'll you know sleep with them once and then you know he has total control he's you know used that as a way to manipulate and control them he likes that power the way he talks about it it's weird Shows a complete lack of understanding of the purpose of relationships. Of course, you know, you respect each other and it's a mutually respectful relationship and it's you build trust and loyalty and etc. But this is not that. This is I'm, I am sleep with her once because then I, like, she'll do whatever I want and I'll teach her to respect men. She doesn't think she respects men, then I'll teach her to. It's weird. And then it gets to a little, little bit of an alarming um, level. Um, so, warning, these are a little disturbing. So, if you don't want that, then, you know, maybe skip forward a minute or two. Uh, like, it make me uncomfortable. So, let's just play one of them.
1: Girls come to me and go, yeah, beat it up. I was like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. No, I mean it. No, bitch. I mean it. I guarantee I change the way you look at sex forever. You're going to be crying. I won't cry. I bet you cry. I bet you cry. You're saying I I wouldn't cry. You're challenging me to a fight. You're saying I can't hurt you. You're out of your mind. I don't even have to you. Forget the sex part. That's a distraction. My can stay in my pants. I'll just start beating the shit out of you. How about that? We walk in the bedroom. I start kicking your ass. No sex. No sex involved. But you cry then.
0: Okay, so we have two theories here. This is theoretical or actual. Actual, no, nothing needs to be said. I could end this podcast right now. Um, That's called abuse. Um, Newsflash. I don't think Andrew Tate understands that very well. But let's just pretend that it's in the theory that, you know, he clearly doesn't, he, he likes being in control. He likes the power that he has physically and, you know because he's manipulated these women, so, you know, kind of intellectually, over these women, and he enjoys that power, and he uses it to his full benefit, and, you know, here he's saying, I really, again, the, the sleeping with them is a means to an end, which we've kind of mentioned before, it's all about what he can get out of it, you know, but really, again, it's about power, it's about being in control, so, you know, if beating the woman up is the alternative to that, then that's the alternative, and okay maybe this is a joke not meant to be taken seriously but again he's talking to young impressionable men and giving them this kind of attitude towards women this lack of respect and again these are old but he hasn't apologized for his past behavior he has said that he doesn't think he hurt anyone and doesn't think that what he did was so bad but this attitude and we're going to see how that translates into action is incredibly dangerous here's the last one um language warning content warning all the above warnings um, yeah, here we go. You're cheating.
1: It's bang out the machete, boom in her face, and then grip her up by the neck. I'm like, shut up! Her panties get wet. The machete's on the floor. Her panties are all wet. You go, "fucker. her. That's how it goes. Every real G knows these basic moves. These are the basic moves of pimping. I will pick you up with one hand by your titty.
0: So clearly sex to him is about power. Relationships are about manipulation and getting people to do what you want. And if they question that authority... Let see in the last clip or in this clip. They question it in any way. That's He views that very badly. And even if he's never actually beat up... If he's beat up a woman, this whole conversation is done. We're done. If he hasn't, these attitudes... Still exists and still are being, you know, when he was saying this type of thing, was being, you know, seen by young, impressionable men and now is still being sent around. And even though he's not promoting this type of thing anymore, he's never apologized for it. So they hear him say that and they listen to his old stuff. And this is what they hear it's a massive red flag. And it's just unbelievable that people look at him as a role model. Unbelievable. I don't think I have to say anything more. I think the quit pretty much spoke for itself. That's what's funny about all these is Andrew Tate is so self-incriminating because he couldn't keep his mouth shut ever. And he says like, oh, this wasn't meant for a large audience. Well, you said it and it got out. So nothing to say to that. Now we're going to get into how Andrew Tate got the idea to start his pornography business,
1: since so I was on some website, I think it was a gaming website, some not Doppler, some crap, and in the corner it said "Talk to live girls now." Mm. And something—I think it's because I just thought about the fact that I had all these girls. I was like, so I clicked on it, and I saw some Russian chicks sitting there on some crappy webcam, and like these little tokens coming in. I was like, okay, so maybe <laughs> I could get.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I now start. you see, you see the wheels turning. <laughs> I, the hat. I love the hat. So, I
1: can confirm that. Was my I that. I love that. That was my sister. I can confirm. That was <laughs> my sister. <laughs> so, so I was like, this, this. Shit, she's making money. She ain't even hot, and she's just sitting there. And this is remember, just the early days of the internet, like dial up. Like she was sitting there, like with her clothes on, like moving like this, like just. <laughs> I was like, that makes money? That makes money? So I messaged all my girlfriends. I have five of them. I was like, look, you're you're moving to London. I've decided we need to be together, coming to London, blah, blah. She's like, well, I have nothing to do in London. I said, no, i got a job for you, baby. It's going to be fine. You're going to come work for me. And I was sitting there for a while thinking, how do I organize the fact that these five girls are coming in thinking they're my girlfriend, And I, I want them all to do this job. And I decided that honesty is always the best policy. Exactly. And I also decided that I'm not a coward. And I also decided that if all five of these chicks attacked me at once, I've got the Aikido I can deal with. It. You understand? I've been around the block.
0: At least two of them are going to be I've been, I've been around the block,
1: right? Like, I don't want to take them out, but I could. So they ain't got hands. So I ain't got much to worry about. So I flew all five of them in on separate flights. I sat them all down at the same table and said, listen, ladies, this is what we're going to do. And I talked about the webcam business, talked about how I've been with them all, asked them all to come to London, etc. Three of them told me to get fucked, go back on a plane. <laughs> two of them stayed. And the two who stayed worked for me for a very long time. And from there, for the, about the next four years, it built into an empire where I ended up having 75 girls, five locations. I was turning over $4 million a month. And it all wow. kind of it went crazy from there. And uh <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's the story the of the wall webcam wall business. That's kind of what it is. And that don't forget, they, don't forget my, my girls were making us money, too. Don't forget that. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, well, you think I was just what? <laughs> <laughs> Sitting with my feet up being like, "Well, you lost all the money in the casino. So. No, 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 no. no. I, I was doing the exact same thing, yeah. just for the record. So what? the
0: webcam had you and the other girls?
1: No, 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 no. It was just the girls.
0: Oh, it was just the girls. I was,
1: I was okay. just the manager. And you know what's actually really interesting? You
0: were the pimp. I was the pimp. Yeah. So that's how it started. And it's interesting because in a lot of interviews now, because, again, he's cleaning up his whole image, he claims that he started because, you know, he was poor and really had to do what he had to do to survive, etc., which is never a justification for doing this type of thing, but it would make more sense. But here, it doesn't seem that way. It seems like he thought he he had an idea. He, at this point, already had five girlfriends, so clearly he was already on his, you know, kind of weird exploitation of women and just like sleeping with them and then ignoring them and just whatever. That attitude had already existed. It wasn't like he started this because he was on the streets, like let's be real. Um so that narrative kind of crumbled with this clip, which I haven't really seen so much people posting. I just found this somewhere. But so that's how it started. Okay, so I guess he started with his girlfriends, but then obviously he grew to 75 women, he says. So how did he do that? So let's listen.
1: You cannot get a girl to work for you. So the recruitment process is the same as the PhD course. You message them on Instagram. The PhD course is my recruitment system. I don't mention webcam until after I've had sex with the girl. If you're on dates and you're trying to mention it It just doesn't work. It puts them off. I'd never do that. That's disgusting. I'm not a whore. Uh, It's just not going to work. You continue as normal. No mention of webcam. You f*** the girl. After you f*** the girl, you do the PhD test. If she passes the PhD test and she wants to be with you, then you start mentioning things like, yeah, but you know, you're always busy. You're always at work. You can come work for me. So, as I said, you cannot try and approach girls to do webcam. Hi, do you want to do webcam? It's bullshit. It doesn't work. Any, no one's going to say yes. And any girl who does say yes is doing it. She doesn't like you. She doesn't know you. She doesn't love you. She's saying yes purely for money. I'm going to sneeze. <clears throat> any girl who wants money that bad is going to skank you and leave you when she realizes you get a big cut of it. So even if you do get a girl to say yes that way, even if you do say to a girl, look, let's make some money. She's only in it for the money. She's not in it to please you. And if she's only in it for the money, she's gonna get pissed off with her cut. Because they're gonna Google up how much a token's worth, how many tokens they made, and all that shit. They're gonna get pissed off with their cut. Remember the tax thing, so you only have to pay them 30% instead of 50%. It's important for your profitability. So you don't want a girl who's in it for money. You want a girl who's in it to be with you. So you meet a girl, you take her on dates, you fuck her, whatever. She, she passes the PhD test. Then you start saying things like, Oh, yeah, but you're always working. I have to do some traveling and you can't come. I want to bring you with me. Traveling is a great one because the thing about this business is mobile. If you can find a good Airbnb with good internet, you can run it somewhere else. So it's a good little caveat to throw in. Oh, and you're always working. Why don't you work for me so we spend more time together? Work for you doing what? So you'll have a webcam business. Oh, I don't want to do that. So, OK, I know you don't want to do that, but listen. Come, let's have a meeting. Let's just talk about it. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. Fine, but let me explain it to you properly. In fact, I'll bring one of the girls who works for me. You, your bottom bitch, a new girl. You go out for fucking a nice dinner. Your bottom bitch is the one who does the selling. You don't do the selling. The girl has to hear it from a girl. And this is where your bottom bitch has to be trained. This is why I said it's so important to have a good first girl. My first girl was so good, it was easy. My girl said "To go, Oh my god, before this I was a waitress and it was and now I do this. I make so much money, and the guys all love me and they adore me. And on my birthday, they send me presents. I get so much money, blah blah blah. It's so much fun. And we stay at home, and da da da. da. And we're gonna go to Thailand soon. We're gonna be working in Thailand, and we're gonna stay there for as long as we want. You should come with us. It's gonna be so much fun, da da da. da. Martinis, martinis, martinis. Bang. threesome. Slam them both. Your Bolton nose This girl's like, okay, well I'll try it. Put both girls on camera together the first day. So the new girl can sit there and just sit with the other girl and get drunk, give them a bottle of vodka, put on the fucking chatterbait, uh, 100 tokens per shot. The guys will send loads of money to get the girls drunk, because guys like drunk girls. Girls will sit there, get drunk, have a great time. You can say it's your new job now, you're not to go to work ever again. That's how you recruit girls. Do not recruit girls any
0: other way. So this is called the lover boy method. You've probably heard this discourse going on online. Essentially, what he is saying Is he, you get the girl to fall in love with you first. Because at that point, it's much easier to then convince them to do webcam. And they're not in it for the money because they're not getting so much money. He says they're getting 30%. I mean, the whole thing is awful. And just his attitude where it's, you know, I manipulate them. I do all these things X, Y, and Z. But it's not because I care about them or want to have a relationship with them. It's because I need something out of them. And that's something that I need is... Um, is money from them <laughs> is them to work for me it's so gross this that he is a pimp that is what it is just because they're not prostitutes they in a way are just on camera it's the same idea he is a pimp that's wh- that's what he is he said it you know his phd's pimp and hose degree it's like so weird and that's what he was there's no other way to say it. There's no way to make it sound less bad. It's bad. It, it is bad. There's nothing you can do to convince me otherwise. And this is the way he talks about it. It's all about, you know, manipulating and manipulating and getting the girl to trust you and think that you're in a relationship. And then all to get things out of her. It's gross. Here's another clip.
1: I have her so she obeys me. I don't give a shit about having sex with beautiful women. I them so they listen to me. So I can get what I actually want. Which is not them. It's a means to an end. Every single Bond girl was exploited. That's exactly what I do. When I watch a Bond film and I see him basically pimp a shit, To me that speaks to my heart. I've been there. I've done that. Anyone who's followed me long enough knows that I first made my million dollars with a webcam business. I have met beautiful women with a good personality and thought she will make me money. I have to. I don't want to have sex with her. I just need the money.
0: So that speaks to the same idea that his whole aim in getting relationships with these women is to exploit them later. He's a pimp. It's gross. It's really gross feel like I don't even need to give commentary on these because they just speak for themselves and that coupled with the fact they he says he didn't think what he did was so wrong and he didn't hurt anyone that's enough to make my argument I don't have to give any commentary on this here's another clip it just shows their attitude or Andrew's attitude to this lifestyle toward this lifestyle and just the it's just a de- degenerate lifestyle listen to this would be
1: Find some we can find. Yes. No. We no. me and you. Yeah, me and you need to find some big no. now. We can find some now, or in general. You just start thinking something pretty. Pretty because to come here
0: and understand?
1: Alright, good. You got until what day is it today? Monday.
0: Oh, on cool. Friday,
1: we're gonna so, you. so. Start talking to some people, say me and my man. The things I do are too good. The root people the, the, the They don't believe.
0: So this is the kind of lifestyle he was living. And he says he didn't hurt anyone. And there's nothing wrong. I mean, he says that he regrets it, but he also says he doesn't think it was so bad. And this was the way he was talking. This was the kind of language he was using. This is um, the things he was doing. And the fact... The only per perceivable way I can think of someone idolizing someone who used to live like this is if they have realized the wrong in their ways apologized to the people they harmed and apologized in public never done either of those things um they would have to genuinely understand what they've done wrong taken time to learn just how wrong it is on a moral level and a bunch of different levels and taken time away To, you know, really correct themselves, live a private life for a little bit. Came back and said, I own up to everything I did then. It was terrible. I regret it. Here's why. Here's how I've changed my life. And not just one day they realize it's not, it's, that it's coming back to bite them. Flipping a switch and just pretending that they've changed. And that wasn't even necessarily him being a pimp. That's just him being a gross individual. And, but here's his attitude on women, you know, doing pornography, being cam girls, you know, just everything online. Here's his attitude toward that. And then we're gonna kind of close up this part of the episode.
1: I think one of the best jobs a woman can have is be a cam girl. I have 19 year old girls making 50,000 a month. No man's touching them. Not a single man touches them. I, have girl, I had yeah. a girl who worked for me for who was a virgin. I have girls who worked for me who are married with three kids. These are people who are completely not living degenerate lives. They're not in the club. They're not doing drugs. They're not f***ing nobody. They're sitting there with their tits
0: out on a computer. So as he was doing this, being a pimp, he did not understand the gravity of what he was doing. And until I hear him say that what he did was terrible and not not so bad, this clip just says all that has to be said. On a similar note, and this is weird, like, so weird, they're, okay, online, and this is verified, at first I was like, this must be a fake, this must be a joke, this can't be real until I found Andrew and Tristan actually talking about it, um, So, there's this thing called the player's year, which basically was Tristan's diary, like, typed up, like, in weird, like, handwritten font, um, like, diary of his, all his various exploits with different women over the course of one year. The year was 2020, so anyone who says that they've been living clean lives for 10 years, wrong. Maybe they weren't pimps then, they were certainly not moral individuals, um, and, There's a lot of, like, weird images in this, anything, everything like that, and there's this, I'm gonna read you some things from the player's ear, and then I'm going to, I did not read it, believe me, you think I sat through and read it, no, I looked at, like, the first two pages, and I was, like, beyond done, and then I'm gonna play you the clip of them talking about it. So, here's the introduction to the player's ear. um... It's so weird. This whole thing is so weird. Okay. As I grow older, each year becomes better than the year before, but 2020 was special. It was special because I decided to do something unique. For the years running up to it, I'd often been complimented by other high-profile men on my collection of beautiful girlfriends and how good I am at attracting and seducing new women. 2020 was the year I decided to keep a diary of my exploits. It was just a Twitter account, which I named the players here, and each day I wrote wrote an entry about the women I had spent that day with. I used my watch at the time a Super Ocean. Um, Breitling Superocean. Breitling Superocean. I don't know how to pronounce that, and frankly, I'm glad. Um, but okay. Um, to prove I was living the life I claimed. Each day as I was around my beautiful female companion, I made sure to snap a photo with my wristwatch in it. Irrefutable proof that the event took place. I didn't realize at the time how big this would get and what whirlwind of problems it would cause me in my real life. Twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two even better than twenty twenty. But no diary exists, nor do I think I will ever do something like this again. Unlike any other account of its kind, the player's year was truly unique. By the third day I realized my stories weren't enough, and if there weren't photos, then there was no proof. But I have decided to release the original version to the public. Keep in mind as you read that although the diary has come to an end, my lifestyle has not it only got better from here, so anyone claiming his lifestyle this lifestyle ended ten years ago or I don't care. I mean, even if he wasn't a pimp at this point, which I mean, if he lied about this, why wouldn't he lie about that? But I mean, this is um, 2020. This was published by them in 2022. So, or I think it was published in 2022. Either way, this is recent. Um, let's read this. If sex addiction were, were, were a thing, I guess it'd be a sex addict. But it isn't, is it? Oh no, a male of the human species loves mating with females and propagating his genes. That's an addiction, is it? Tell no, that to Charles Darwin, you effing losers. And then it starts, and it's just day by day, with pictures with his watch to prove that the thing happened, with different women. This is 2020. They don't regret this lifestyle, and you want proof they don't regret this lifestyle? Listen to this clip.
1: Ah, players year. Ah, no. Do I talk about the players' year? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's on Twitter. It's one of my last tweets. I once ran a diary in 2020 when I used to be a Playboy. Obviously, I've given that up. Uh, every single day, a brand new post, a brand new woman in my bed. It was the best diary I think ever kept in world history. And it's a free ebook available on Gumroad. Right so, now, is there anywhere else I can find it besides Twitter on the website? Okay. Uh, yeah, cobertate.com forward slash the players year or forward slash players year. Which one is? It? I think it's the players year. Yeah, or they can message the uh the the group, or they can or, or they can message the group. Em em live the telegram. They'll point you. In the yeah, because I am I am, I was simply the greatest. Obviously, now I've I've joined a, a life of Christ and I've taken up celibacy, uh, forever.
0: So it's extremely interesting to me that now someone who claims to now be a Christian brags about their past sins and is proud of their past sins um that just seems like a little bit alarming to me it's weird also the language that he uses where he's like I am simply oh I was simply and it's like I used to be a playboy now obviously I'm not it's just bizarre is he actually living the lifestyle he claims to be leading now I have no idea but the way he talks about his past life alleged past life is pretty weird if you ask me um, and it just shows that this weird sex lifestyle and this promiscuous lifestyle was recent and they brag about it even after they're supposed, you know, religious, um, it's kind of convenient how both of them just magically became religious and now use that as an excuse to everything. It's just weird if you ask me. Um, so these are again, not role models we should not be following them um but now we're gonna talk about something a little bit weird we talk about liking you know very young women young meaning of age questionably um so I thought I'd play some clips of that I'm not really commenting on their legal case which I kind of already mentioned but I just think this is really weird um so I'm just gonna play a few clips that have to do with that that Again, shout out to Milk Bar TV for really finding all these clips. And then we're going to move on to something else.
1: The reason 18 and 19 year olds are more attractive than 25 year olds is because they've been through lesbian. <laughs> I'll say this right here on the fucking internet.
0: Okay, so 18 and 19 year olds are adults, but wanting to specifically be in relationships with 18 and 19 year olds barely legal, that's weird. Okay, that's not a controversial opinion. That is weird. And he's never spoken to that, never apologized for that. Anything that he said, and again, it makes him so focus on apologies, but repentance is a real thing. And anything that he said about that is, at least from what I've heard, him being like, oh, whatever is legal or something like that. It's like weird. Here's another one.
1: I won't date a girl who's older than 25. And that's not even about. <laughs> yeah. Bro, I won't. I won't. Bro, I'm thirty. I'm thirty-five, and I got more millions of fucking age. I'm playing games, right? So I get to choose what I want.
0: I guess another point to bring up with this is, I guess we can come back to the same idea that by removing the teleological aspect of a relationship and the fundamental part of a relationship, it's all about you know your gains. So, of course, you're gonna want the younger woman because you want them to look more youthful. And be more attractive, but that's all you care about. you don't care about the actual relationship, you know. So even if it's not creepy when for being 24, this age cap that he puts on his relationships is wrong because it means he's viewing his relationships in the wrong way. So now the next clips, he talks about 16 year olds. He's in Romania, so there, I'm pretty sure that's legal at 16, but that doesn't mean it's not weird. That doesn't mean he's not going after after young impressionable girls to then groom them into being exploited, you know, pimping them out. So, even though this might be illegal where he is, it is still gross and wrong, and just another reason why he should certainly not be a role model.
1: When I bring on new girls, I usually pair them with Vivian because Vivian's younger, Melissa's like 28, Vivian's like 21. So Vivian's been with me six years. She's completely head over heels in love with me. She wants kids with me. Everything, everything, everything.
0: So if this woman is 21, had been with him for five years, and she was around 16, I think that's legal in Romania. But doesn't mean it's not wrong. Taking essentially a high school student, got them to fall in love with you, pimped them out, and then gotten them to manipulate other young women. That's wrong. And it's gross that he would do that and i can't believe I even have to say this but people are so quick to defend him i don't even know what to say at this point okay one more
1: so i messaged her she's like i'm only 16. That's like give a Know f- about me 21 i don't care
0: so something can be illegal and also be really gross and wrong and i can't stand people defending him because this is the type of man you're defending it's gross and he's exploitative And he's pimping out girls. That's literally all that I should have to say. But apparently I have to make a three-hour-long podcast because some people take his word for it that he's changed. Please. Okay, so now it's time to talk about the rebrand. Because recently, maybe in the last, you know, since Andrew Tate blew up and then after he was, you know we didn't really hear much for a little. Now, after that, he started coming out and saying all these things, you know, that he's changed, all, et cetera, that he um, is different now and that these are old clips and they're out of context, et cetera, et cetera. I said that really weird. And, like, he's doing interviews, all that. So my question is, why is he pretending none of it? So he's kind of, like, pretending none of it happened. First of all, something you have to address because he we're going to discuss this later when we talk about the Candace interview, but he really isn't owning up to it. He like brushes it off and says he lives a different life now. But when it comes to the nitty gritty, he kind of brushes off some of the serious things that he's kind of talking about in these clips. So the question why I think can be answered pretty simply because like we said before, everything he does is about how he can get benefit out of it. Now he sees that more he can doesn't just have to have an audience with the red pill manosphere where he can say things about women and no one will stand up to it because these are men he's manipulated and who listen to him because he expresses what they feel now he realizes he has the opportunity to have this huge platform with conservatives so he thinks he can benefit more now by infiltrating conservative circles so now he says what conservatives want to hear which is not as extreme as what he used to be saying does that mean his beliefs have changed i have no idea i don't think they have based on everything i've said throughout this episode especially that he won't he doesn't and he won't say that what he did is wrong he thinks it wasn't so bad so that's my theory one weird part of his rebrand is that he says he's muslim now and in my opinion It's also about utility for him. It's also about what he can get out of it because if you listen to him talking about why he's Christian, Ali Beth Stuckey did a great reaction to this and explained what was so wrong about it. But the reason he says he's Christian is because he feels that, not Christian, sorry, Muslim, is that he feels that Islam right now is a strong religion that doesn't compromise. In Islamic countries, you go there and you feel islam he says he like feels god there he says they're very religious you know they're not compromising like a lot of christians are you know becoming squishy and progressive for him he says you know they don't compromise Uh, muslims are strong in their beliefs but he doesn't actually say like that he actually believes in the tenets of islam and that he found he realized that islam was actually correct the most he'll say is that he goes there and he feels god he does but his main argument that's not he says he converts because because this is that's what he feels. It's nothing to do with yeah, you know I realized that Islam was right. No, he doesn't say that. For him it's all about I like this religion because I think the people in it are this way. You know, I think they're strong in their beliefs and they're not compromising. It's not about objective truth for him. It's just about what he wants and how something will benefit him. So here's a weird tweet kind of similar to that. So he tweeted this out, um, December of last year. He retweeted it recently. If a girl follows me and she's hot and I see a single picture of her in private jets, it's block. Women can't afford jets. Women are all brokeies. Why are you flying around on some man's jet? You should have been a virgin when I met you. Haram. So we're gonna ignore the dumb thing about women in private jets. That's not the point. But two things I wanna focus on. So one, he says you should have been a virgin when I met you. So he's not a virgin, he's had, he slept with, like, probably hundreds of women, so the double standard there's a little interesting, but the main thing that I think is interesting is then he says haram, like, he throws in that Muslim language to talk about things that, you know, he wants, he uses Islam to kind of bring across his views, but then in his own life, he doesn't live up to these things at all because I, we talked about that video where I, I posted of him with like all these women by, that he, that he posted with all these women by the beach, uh, not the, by the beach, by his pool, like in bikinis recently. And it's, and he, his past doesn't matter because it was old, but this woman's past does matter. It's weird. He uses, he'll just throw in that language to make it seem like he is Muslim. But when the, when it actually comes down to it, I don't think he is. I think it's a grift. I'm just being honest. Maybe he is actually Muslim and just a hypocritical Muslim. I don't know. I think it's weird. I think it's all part of his, you know, I think it's all part of this same rebrand, you know? Okay. Um, also, I think another reason he's been able to infiltrate conservative circles and why he's kind of been able to pretend none of this happened is because he focuses a lot on the legal case. Against him in Romania, which doesn't have to do with, I mean, I don't know if it could could be brought up as like, you know, evidence to his character, but the main legal case in Romania has to do with something starting in 2021, which I'm going to mention in a second, but I think what he does is by focusing on the legal side of it. Which he can say, you know, this is why I'm innocent, whatever. You can deflect from people bringing up the moral side of it. Because if you've noticed, all I've done this entire episode so far has been talking about his morals. Nothing to do with the legal case, which I'm going to mention in a second, but nothing to do with the legal case. But by him just focusing on how unfair the legal side is, conservatives can get behind that and be like, oh, we understand this abil- this this notion of being, you know, having false charges. We understand, you know, the Believe All Women movement and how that has harmed a lot of men, a lot of innocent men and the guilty men deserve to be harmed. Um, but I think by he's utilizing that as a tactic to get more people to listen to him. So I think that's another thing that has to do with his rebrand and how he's been able to to rebrand basically but I do want to mention the legal thing for a second before I get into the Candace interview because I I don't I have no idea about the charges in Romania I don't know how this case is going to turn out he's been charged with human trafficking rape um, like forming an organized criminal or organized criminal organization or something like that I don't know um but they all like are around something in 2021 so I wasn't really sure I didn't really have an opinion on the charges I'm no expert in Romanian law I have no idea if he's guilty of those charges I mean hearing the things that he said certainly I'm inclined to believe that maybe there is a case I don't know but there was something that I saw posted by these two accounts I forgot I forgot what one of them was called something with like crayons I don't know and then the milk Bar tv you know where they're posting finding this old stuff and finding the evidence that a lot of people have been able to find so there was one thing that i saw that i thought was weird so i'm just gonna read that so there is this account called talus management like andrew tate his um and Tristan tate they're like they have like names right like they're like they're like ats on they're like their usernames on twitter so tate is like tate the talisman so there's this deleted account that's Talis management and then um, this oh here's the other account murdered by crayons it's like at crayon murders it's like th- it shows the account before it was deleted this this tweet and it says it joined in June of 2021 so that fits the timeline and it's basically what this account tweeted the Tate brothers ran an OnlyFans agency that's like in the description of the Twitter account before it was deleted. Their Twitter account joined in 2021. You probably recognize some of their, their models in the pool. One of the women is the mother of Tristan's child. So they have like non-nude pictures of these women um, that who model for them on OnlyFans. So, I mean, do the charges have some ground? Maybe. I don't know. I can't verify that this is correct. But I mean, again, when someone tells you who they are, believe them. So when you hear the way that the Tates used to talk and the things they used to do, then it, you know, it doesn't, and then they lie more and more so than they lie about things that they've done. You start to kind of doubt everything they say. So if I won't be shocked either way, guilty or innocent, I really won't. So I just thought I would mention that briefly, but now we need to address the Candace Owens interview. So the, basically the two big interviews that the Tate brothers did once, or meaning, yeah, T- Andrew, Tristan Once they, you know, had their little comeback moment, is one with Tucker Carlson and then one with Candace Owens. So I didn't listen to, I did not listen to the Tucker Carlson one because I figured I'm listening to one of them already, and I figured they have their talking points. They're going to say, we'll say the same thing, and I don't have the patience. And I think I did enough research for this that I think listening to one and just addressing that one is fine. So I listened to the Candace Owens one. It is three hours long. I took notes. I those are three hours I will never get back but I felt that I would just read through a lot of the things I thought as I was listening to the interview Um, and there's some things that I totally ignored I didn't have time to go through everything Um, I would say the biggest things in the interview to listen to are the beginning and the end because the middle is just kind of about his childhood and less controversial things, which is interesting. Like I'm genuinely interested in what happened to make him the way he is. But um, you know, and they had some more political conversations, but conversations in regards to what's relevant with Andrew Tate and, you know, his history and things like that are mostly at the beginning and the end of the interview. But I really was frustrated by the interview. I felt Candace did not push him hard she pushed him on a couple things but really did not push him hard enough and really just agreed with him on a lot of things that I was shocked by I don't know why she did this um but I'm gonna just read through some of the, my thoughts on the interview so I'm gonna try to run through some of these quickly and then spend more time on others but I'm not like going through actually all the points made in the interview I'm just bringing up certain things that stood out to me number one so one thing they mentioned is how out of the tweet the things that the old clips that Andrew that Andrew Tate of him saying things are taken out of context. I mentioned this earlier when I talked about how the two arguments of being out of context and old are not good arguments. But again here, I mentioned it again, he talks about how they're taken out of context. My question is what context makes pimping okay? And I mentioned if you want to hear obviously more about why I think being taken out of context is a flawed argument, especially in this case. And you can go back and listen to my argument on that. Now, here's a thing he brought up a lot, a bunch of times. He would say, if if anyone else's life was brought was you know looked at under a microscope, the way mine was, and you know they all got that same litmus test, everyone would you know have these things come up about them, you know, and no one would look like a good person anymore. And I understand the argument, of course, that. We have to stop scrutinizing every detail of people's lives and bringing up dumb tweets from 10 years ago to cancel them. But I don't. In what world is everyone being put under the same test and then looking just as bad, if not worse, than Andrew Tate when the standard for him is pimping? So I wrote in my notes uh, if the standard is don't pimp out vulnerable women, then lots of people would pass. This is something I didn't really mention before, but it's so sad that, you know, he literally just exploits vulnerable women and uses them for other people's gain. I don't think I ever, like, articulated that exactly, because to me it's obvious. But if anyone was ever wondering, because I think, you know, calling him a pimp is enough for conservatives, but for liberals, this is for people who would be not have an issue with pimping, really. This is the problem with it. It's vulnerable women, majority of the time, who... You are exploiting. It's it's as simple as that. They're vulnerable, and you are using them for other people's gain. It's so sad. Um, And I wrote, most of us aren't pimps. <laughs> so if my life was put under the same microscope, I would not look like as bad a person as Andrew Tate because I never pimped anyone. So the idea that no one could pass the same litmus test is so silly. Um, He also says, you know, the idea that I have that you no, know, I said these things in my past. um he says that doesn't mean I can't add any value to society now. I had two points on that. number one, some things like overshadow any good, so assuming you didn't apologize and assuming which you didn't and don't understand how bad it was and you just moved on in life but never really like moved on morally, you just stopped doing whatever you were doing, so that overshadows it. I'm sorry, if you kill someone, then start giving me life advice, even if you aren't killing anyone anymore. That's not a good argument. You don't get to then just suddenly decide you want to start doing, giving this advice or whatever, when you used to do these bad things and never really understood the gravity of what you did. Also, if, if your whole point is, you know, is saying that you want to add value now, then I don't understand why he's so hesitant to own up and pro- and, 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 and admit how bad what he did was and then, you know, prove you've changed. I think he won't prove he's changed because he can't prove he's changed. All he can do is talk. But he won't actually, can't un- actually understand how bad what he did is. Um, He said he doesn't want to apologize. You know, he says he won't apologize. And my point on that is just, don't apologize when you're right, like, don't grovel to the mob when they cancel you for something when you were actually correct, but when you're wrong, of course you should apologize, that's not woke, that's just owning up to your genuine mistakes. Next, he says he did what he did to survive, he had to do to survive, and this was a great point Liz Weaver brought up when she was reviewing this, she's like, this is literally just moral relativism, so now we can add moral relativists to the list of reasons he's not a role model. The idea that different people should have different standards of morality because of their different situations is just wrong, it's not an excuse. It might be more understandable, and you can see where this person maybe was coming from. Doesn't make it okay at all. And also, I don't think you, what you had to do to survive, because you told me you said how much money you made, and you kept doing it when you kept making more and more money. He you also, know, if you listened earlier, I'm not even so sure I, I, I believe that he was poor when he started. Even if he was poor at one point in life, because he talks about how he had five girlfriends he flew in to, to meet him, and then he started his porn business so you had enough money to have five girlfriends and fly them all in and you had enough you know social influence to get five girlfriends i don't understand um and that was when you still living in london i don't understand um how you how those two things exist at once um and i also again that does not justify it does not justify it at all um he says it was not that bad and I just wrote here, he doesn't understand the gravity of what he did. Um, He also focused on the legal a lot in this, um, you know, in this um, debate, Uh, not debate, in this discussion, I wish it would have been a debate, in this um, interview, and I just wrote, okay, but then why are you making him seem like a good person? Are you conflating the legal and the moral? So, both of them, Candace and Andrew, focused on the legal side of things, and it's just like, you're conflating legal with moral that if he's innocent according to the law that means he's morally good That those two things are not the same That's a big issue ahead of the interview um he also i mentioned this already he acted like he only did this when he was dirt poor no because he started making money and then he didn't stop it doesn't it's not justified either way um he <laughs> this was funny he um says that people drudge up my past and the worst they could find was these old youtube clips there was no sexual perversion um, being a pimp is not sexually perverse. Sleeping with hundreds of women and pimping them out is not sexually perverse. I think that's sexually perverse. So, and he wrote, he says, at worst, it's semi immoral. It's not semi immoral, it is totally immoral. He also says some of the stuff was meant for smaller audiences and he wasn't giving advice to millions. So, to that, I have a few points. Number one, okay, great. So you were still a manipulative jerk. You just didn't tell everyone about it. You only hold a few people about it. Great. That doesn't make you any better. And also, the point isn't that the videos exist. The point is the actions that you did that you're talking about. So I wouldn't care if the videos didn't exist at all. If I knew these actions occurred and there was no videos of it, that would still be just as bad. It doesn't matter about who saw the videos. The videos describe your behavior. Your perverse, immoral, evil behavior. <sighs> so frustrated um then he they start showing new clips of Andrew Tate and they start and he starts talking about how he understands how bad porn is now but he all he's ever said is he he says it in words he talks about it but at the same time he's still living this lifestyle that is not congruent with with the moral points he's making about porn you know I think back to that video where he's just hanging out with a bunch of scantily clad women at, a, at his pool. That doesn't, I don't understand why he can't see how his lifestyle was still immoral. And besides for that, he won't apologize for the fact that he was so involved in it. He'll say he used to be, but he doesn't think it's that bad, but also porn is really bad. I don't understand. Is porn really bad or was what you did and is what you did bad or not? I don't understand. He just covers up, but he doesn't actually change his actions. Um, he said this again, I mentioned earlier, but he says porn makes you docile. Um, and that was a big point he brought up, which I agree with, but he's not talking about how it's immoral. He's just talking about how practically it doesn't improve your life. Okay, but what about porn being bad because porn is bad? Okay, I'm getting so angry here. He also said he stopped doing webcam eight to nine years ago, but there are much more recent clips of him bragging about, you know how his PhD program, you know, his pimp and hose degree, um, talking about what he did. So, one, so my, my guess is he didn't stop eight to nine years ago. He did not stop his lifestyle or his porn business. But even if he did, he still was bragging about it. So, you still didn't understand how bad it is what you were doing. He doesn't understand to this day. He also says that he knows how porn-addicted men act, because his his own experience, being you know in the porn business and being a pimp, he saw how people who are addicted to how men addicted to porn act. You know, they would send him all his money, etc. And he's he says, you know, now now I'm qualified to speak about it because you know we understand this idea that people who um were one thing and then they got out of it you know are the best advocates to speak about it for example people who had abortions who then became pro-life now speaking about the evil of abortion etc but that requires that you made real changes you had to really have had a change of heart and not just start talking about it and just make everyone has to just take your word for it i'm not taking his word for it why in the world would i take his word for it when he was so involved in it and it was so evil in that regard I'm not going to take his word for it. I will wait until I see real change. It's unreal. This is the worst, one of the worst things that was in the interview. He says, if you watch porn, if you've ever lusted over a woman, anything like that, you can't criticize me. So I have a bunch of points about that. Number one, this is something that I think Liz Wheeler or Allie Beth brought up. He really does think everyone watches porn and everyone... And a lot of people do and it's sad. But not everyone. So not everyone criticizing you, including Liz Weaver and Ali Beth Stuckey, they don't. And they criticize you. So just anyone who tries to criticize you just saying, Well, because you all watch porn too, you can't... You're feeding into the business. So you can't criticize me. That's silly. And then another point is that it's not the same. Provide, you know, being that stumbling block... And causing others to sin is much worse than someone who then falls over that and sins one time and fails one time and then works on themselves, you know, or is still in the process of working on themselves and is still struggling. But you are the one creating that market. I think that's much worse. I think a lot of people who get addicted to porn are struggling with it and they, they know it's wrong and they're working on it versus you who is knowingly putting out, all this content because you're selfish and want money and are good at manipulating people. Also, I think uh, even even if we were to argue that it's the same offense watching porn and producing porn, even if you were to make that argument, it still doesn't hold up because you clearly had a moral, had no moral feeling about it, which I kind of, I guess I kind of already said this, but you had no moral feeling about it. You didn't care that it was, that it's immoral at all you didn't even really think that it's immoral, right, you just kept doing it, and people can be, you know, struggling with it, but still speak out about it, because they know in their minds that it's wrong, even if they're struggling in actual action, you didn't even think in your mind that it's wrong, that was one of the most frustrating parts of the interview, Um, he again says that he's not sorry, he says it could be worse, okay, and, like, okay, so you could have taking women against their will you could have murdered someone <laughs> it could be worse is a terrible argument let me just say that it could be worse it does not mean that what you did wasn't bad so yeah it could be worse anyone could be worse you know someone who murdered 10 people could have murdered 11 people this not make them any better of a person okay next um candace owens gives this whole nice speech about how she was brought over to the conservative side by real and flawed people and, of course, that's, you know, valid that people who bring her over, um, you know, are people who are real and they're honest and they're not squeaky clean perfect conservatives. But they're people who have had, you know, who've lived lives that have not been perfect and they've grown and changed. Great! Andrew Tate is not one of those people. He is a pimp who never apologized for being a pimp. Those are two different things. He's not, you know... When I, in my youth, these are the things that I did, and I worked on myself, and I went off the internet for five years, and I changed, and I grew, and I apologized to everyone involved, and I own up. No, he literally never even apologized. He says it wasn't that bad. So, no, that's not a flawed person who's conservative. Who She, she doesn't say he's conservative, but he, that isn't a flawed person. Should be a role model for conservatives. Okay. So, yeah, that's kind of a strawman argument, because she's basically misdirecting it, she's, she's misdirecting the criticisms, you know, people saying he's not perfect, and then her, you know, pounding at them by saying, well, we weren't brought over, I wasn't brought over by perfect people, but really, she's not getting at, she's not actually refuting the fact that when we say he's not perfect, we mean he's a pimp who never apologized for being a pimp, um, okay, then she says, This I didn't like. I just thought it was in bad faith. She talks about Meghan McCain. She says, well, Meghan McCain had, like, a really perfect life, and we're not really learning from people like her as much as we're learning from flawed people, and I just think you can learn from everyone. I understand her point, but I think you can learn from everyone. I think everyone is in your life for you to learn from them and grow because of them, um, so the idea that because she had an easier life than someone else that we can't learn from her is wrong. I understood what she was saying, that, you know, we learn from flawed people the most because, you know, they grew so much, but, um, I don't know. I thought it was just in bad faith. Um, again, he uses this language. He says what he did was slightly immoral, perhaps. Slightly immoral, perhaps. Slightly immoral, perhaps. No, he doesn't understand how bad what he did was, and that is clear. Um, okay, then he makes... Entertainment makes the point that you know conservatives are pretty boring they stay at home he's like i have fast cars and pretty women so young boys listen to me because i'm cool and my argument to that is yeah you're right that's why people listen to you because you're cool but then candace kind of agreeing with that is wrong because we can make conservatism cool we can say know you can like fast cars you can like nice things you don't have to be a materialistic jerk they're two different things there are lots of people who are totally moral in their lives who you know also have fast cars and also are cool but they're not immoral you know having 15 million girlfriends is wrong so you know this notion that we should listen to him because at least he's he's drawing in young men no but what is he drawing them into something that looks like conservative but is a wolf in sheep's clothes and is not actually conservatism So why don't we just make actual conservatism cool? I think The Daily Wire is doing a great job at that. You know, making actual movies that draw people in that don't really shove the values. Just draw people in and then they can, you know, see the people behind these movies and see how they live their lives. I think it's cool, you know, the way some of these conservative commentators live their lives and how they raise their kids. And you don't have to be immorality. Immorality, yeah, is attractive. Doesn't mean it's right. You know, and there's nothing wrong with showing off your cars and everything, but without the li- the proper lifestyle along with that, it's not good that people are attracted to you. And it's, it's a bad thing because what they're being drawn into then has no substance. Okay. Then on a similar note, they talk about how, you know, this is culture versus politics where, you know, he has the culture and politics isn't so interesting or something along those lines. And then my answer is no, we can make good culture but what it comes down to is good culture versus evil culture. So what you're showing is evil culture. What you're showing is not objective culture. No, it's wrong. It's bad culture. So we can show good culture and still draw people in with the culture. You know, we can make movies that are cool, but also don't give bad values. And then when you look into the people behind those movies and you find these role models, they're actually good people. Okay. He says, he mentioned something about how you should live by example and for young men you have to lead by example and you can't preach to young men you have to show them by actions so um, my question then is you want them to live your lifestyle you just said lead by example because your lifestyle is not a conservative lifestyle so I don't know and again he doesn't claim to be conservative but he claims to be a good role model for young men so I, his lifestyle to me it is not scream young men should do this and we'll be good people so okay i had some more points i'm gonna skip for now because i i'm trying to just get to the main things here this was something that frustrated me a lot so they're talking about the legal case and they're talking about how he's accused of sex trafficking and again i don't know if he's guilty of sex trafficking or trafficking or not that's not my point but they had a conversation about sex trafficking that if i felt was a little dishonest and ignorant. I don't know which one, but they start talking about, you know, how it's so silly that he's being accused of sex trafficking because, you know, this isn't, you know, kids being smuggled across the border in back of trucks, whatever, and I think, you know, of course that's sex trafficking, and of course that's a massive problem, and you know, movies like Santa Freedom, which I haven't seen yet, I hope to, um, you know, movies like Santa Freedom talk about that real issue, and especially with children, that is something we need to be discussing and people from other countries, but when we're talking about sex trafficking, that isn't the only way sex trafficking happens. You know, forcing or manipulating someone into, into doing sex work, into, um, you know, doing whatever you want them to do, is also sex trafficking. Doesn't have to be kidnapped off the street, and this is a huge misconception about sex trafficking, that you're just kidnapped off the street. This isn't how it happened most of the time. Everyone thinks it happens like the movie Taken. It doesn't. Most a lot of the time, that's not how it's happening, right? A uh, a lot of the time, it's someone you know. You know, it's, it's coercion. It's they they get to know you over time. You know, they become your friend. They become you know, let's let's take Gillian Maxwell for example. And if these were underage girls. That even makes it even worse. But even pretending, let's pretend they were weren't even underage. Um, you know, it's manipulating them, it's um, becoming their friend, right, it's saying, oh, you know, these are, you know, girls in vulnerable situations, you know, it's, oh, you don't have a dress for prom, I'll come buy one for you, oh, come, come, let's, ha- let's go get lunch together, let's go get coffee, you become their friend, and then slowly you manipulate them, right, that's called the lover boy method, that's what he did, except he wasn't forcing them in the end, so it wasn't trafficking but i mean he i don't know if he's i don't know if he's guilty of these sex trafficking charges or not but saying making the argument that he isn't guilty because he didn't kidnap people off the street is not a valid argument i think there's a lot of advocates who have really shed light on what sex trafficking actually looks like a lot of the time and it isn't so easy to identify you know but but have you know these people have actually shown light on some of the things that we don't really realize are sex trafficking so them just being ignorant and saying sex trafficking is only kidnapping off the street it's not you know manipulating someone slowly until you start pressuring them into doing things and then eventually force them and and, you know keep them against their will either through physical bonds or you've mentally manipulated them that's also sex trafficking the notion that that isn't is just kind of regressive and not correct There's a lot of TED Talks about this, I think, that have made me learn a lot. Hearing people's stories of how it's not being kidnapped off the street a lot of the time. So, them, you know, conflating and saying that, oh, he must be innocent because it's not like kids were being smuggled across the border in the back of the truck. That's just not a good argument. And that's not what sex trafficking looks like, and I probably didn't explain that as well as I could have, but I don't think that's the main thing we're trying to say here. But I thought I would mention that. Um, okay. Um, he also misconstrues what the lover boy method is, so he talks about you know, the lover boy method, whatever, and how he you know gets women to work for him. But he says it wasn't the lover, and then he he says that they accused him of using the lover boy method in his 2021 case where he said it was sex trafficking people allegedly, and. He says I wasn't using the love our method because it has to involve marriage. You have to promise to marry them, and that's silly. It has to be promising a relationship with them and being in a relationship with them. We don't have to use the word marriage. That was weird. And I found like an article that I think was what where he found the information. It's just not right. And he also said if we're saying the love our method is is a thing, then that's just applied to anyone who's nice. Um, no, it's someone who is nice to someone in order to manipulate them into doing porn or or being a prostitute. <laughs> so, no, a man who is nice to his girlfriend is not using the lover boy method because most boyfriends aren't trying to pimp out their girlfriends. I know it's a big shock to you, but that's the case. So, that he made a, a whole rant about that. I was like, can you, can you do hear yourself right now? I wonder if he hears himself or if he genuinely has convinced himself that he's right. I don't understand... Where he got this idea from that being nice means using the loveboy method. No, it's being nice to manipulate them into doing um, sex work, to being prostitutes, or being in porn. So, uh, no, it's not anyone who's nice. Hi, hey, it's such, it's so, it's ridiculous. Um, this was unreal. So, I played this video clip earlier. Basically, it's him explaining how he recruits women for, to pimp them out. I like using that word just because I, I think it really just gets rid of all the euphemisms people have been using, like webcam. So, he totally lies about what the video says. Remember the video, he says, you can't mention webcam until after you slept with the girl. First, you do this, then you sleep with them, you do the PhD test, see if they're quality. If they want to be, I probably know by heart after the amount of times I've heard it. If they want to be with you, then you start bringing up webcam and start slowly mentioning it and stuff like that. You can't mention it before you ha- you sleep with a girl because they're not going to listen. And if they do, it's only because they want money. Remember that clip? So here, that clip, either they played it right then, or I don't remember exactly what happened, but that clip was what was being referenced. And he says that it was about how having a webcam company affects his romantic life. Meaning he think, he, he he tried to make it seem like he was saying that, he would meet someone and he would be worried if they knew he had a webcam company, they wouldn't want to be with him, so he wouldn't mention it. I'm speechless because that is, he must think we are so dumb. We heard the clip. We know what you said. Spinning it into making it seem like, oh, you just happened to have a webcam company and you just didn't want your girlfriends to know because you didn't want those two parts of your love to be separate and you don't want them to like think badly of you because of it. No very clearly in the clip, you explain how you don't want them to know because you want to get them to do the webcam business and you want to pimp them out. You just wait until after you slept with them and after you build a relationship with them, so they're more likely to say yes. You manipulate them. boy method. I don't understand how he thinks we're so dumb that we would believe that. Oh my god. Um, also, they both mention how, I think Candace, she says this a lot. She says, people don't allow you to grow up, you know, like, of course, when someone's 10-year-old tweet of them using uh, talking about something in a way that's considered offensive today or is actually offensive, you know, 10 years ago. Um, And she says, you know, people will take that and cancel you because they don't let you grow up. Of course, that's totally true. And uh, someone who said the N-word as a teenager should not be canceled today. People grow up. People are immature. They make mistakes. Having a webcam company in your mid-20s to 30s, and then not apologizing for it and still living this degenerate lifestyle is not the same thing as people don't allow you to grow up. I wrote, this is different, LOL. Also said he's trying to survive. I don't think he was. That's my hot take. Even if he was, that doesn't make it okay. It reminds me of AOC saying the looters just needed bread for their family. Like, when people were looting all these stores during the BLM stuff, she's like, they just needed bread for their family, so we should be penalizing them and, you know, we should feel bad for them, etc. But then you look at the videos and it's just them literally raiding every single department store and stealing thousands of dollars worth of merchandise. And it's like the same thing here. It's like, no, you weren't just like, didn't just like have two people you were like pimping out just to make enough money to survive. No, you were making hundreds of thousands of dollars with a massive company pimping out people. That's not the same thing. Um, okay, he also says he wished he never made the videos. Um, he doesn't say he wished he never pimped the girls. I wrote, I wrote what about wish he never pimped girls? Like, you're, you're regretting that you got caught is all I'm hearing from him. Ugh. Um, it's, uh Ugh, it's so bad. Um, he says he never hurt anyone. And this is the worst they found. He seems to think what he did was not so bad. He does not understand how bad pimping is and how evil it is to exploit someone in a vulnerable situation or manipulate someone to be an object for someone else's pleasure it's disgusting he says don't listen to me listen to the women and the woman whatever so there's a bunch of different like things he's talking about here so there's one where um there's one video where he's spanking a woman with a belt and i think that's what got him kicked off of big brother um and then afterward the woman came out and said it was consensual so he's like and a lot of these things, a lot of these women who worked for him, who he pimped out, have come out to defend him. And my pro- I mean, the problem with that is because he's trying to make it all about the legal side. I'm not saying they were forced against their will. Maybe they were. I don't know. Maybe you manipulated them to saying that. Maybe there's some who haven't spoken out. I don't, I don't know. I don't care about the legal side. I care that it's still wrong to be a pimp, even if the woman consented. It's still wrong to hit on with a belt, even if she consented. So, making it about the women is making it about consent, and anyone with real morals who claims to, you know, either be conservative or he doesn't claim to be conservative, but claims to be a good role model for people on the right, understand that consent is not the only value. Consent is extremely important, but it's not the only thing that's important. Something can be consensual and still evil and still wrong. Okay, um... Also, again, this whole, like, focus on the legal side of things, I wrote in my notes that the bar is so low now that we're like, okay, thank God, like, he's not a rapist, he's not a sex trafficker, it was all consensual, he must be a good person, thank God. It's like, you can be totally within the law, everything's fine, and you're still a bad person. Um, He also says he's embarrassed about his old clips, well, I mean, maybe you shouldn't have said them then. Um, and he starts, he seems to me, the reason I'm, like, bringing this up, because, like, you should be embarrassed of your old stuff, um, but you should also, you know, be like, I totally deserve the embarrassment because I said these bad things, whatever. He makes it kind of seem like he's a victim because he's embarrassed by his old stuff. It's like, but you said it, and you won't own up to it. He says, he used to be an atheist, and he says if there were videos of him being an atheist that went viral, he'd actually feel bad about them. So, it's like, okay, yeah, being an atheist is bad, but he's making it be like yeah being an atheist was bad but being a pimp was fine um so that again makes me makes me think that he doesn't actually think what he did was wrong um he says anyone who criticizes me has like worse stuff in their past that's literally not true most people have never been a pimp i don't understand why he's making this argument it's so dumb um it's also just a way of attacking people um using ad hominem arguments against people who have vowed criticisms of him you know means no one can criticize um, they talk about materialism, and they say, you know, it's just how men have fun and stuff. I'm not saying you can't be materialistic. There are plenty of videos of men, you know, shooting guns and driving fast cars, but they're, the lifestyle they're living is a meaningful moral lifestyle. He is just the materialism with no substance underneath it. Um, and then he brought up how materialism is necessary because you need financial freedom to stand up for your principles, you know. If you're poor, you can't, You can't, you know, when they tell you to wear a mask to work, you will have to wear it because if not, then you have no job and you're, you then have no money. And he's saying, I'm financially independent enough that I don't have to listen to anyone because I don't worry about getting fired, don't worry about any of that. Fair point, but I still think the materialistic lifestyle is bad. Um, okay. Um, then he, they mentioned was we were an Alibeth Stucky and, um he, they talk about how they're bringing up, or Candace kind of defends them a little bit, a little bit, not so much. Basically, she says they're not part of the Matrix because he thinks everything is part of the Matrix, which means he thinks everyone is out to get him. Everyone is part of this big scheme. And she's like, I know them. They're my friends. We have disagreements, but they're not part of the Matrix. They genuinely believe what they're saying. They're not trying to take you down. They just believe what they're saying. And then they talk about how they're bringing up decades. And she kind of thinks that they're just misguided because they've never seen these clips before. I don't think you have to have seen these clips before. And then they talk about how yeah, they're bringing up these old debunked clips. So, I'm confused. Do you own up to your mistakes or are they debunked? Th- those things can't both exist at once. Ugh, there's so much here. It's so bad. Also, um yeah, he seems to think that everyone who he he says that everyone who criticizes him and all these people have bad intentions and they're jealous. They're not jealous. They have good intentions, and this is your way of de- decrediting, discrediting, sorry everyone who disagrees with you, and not actually listening to their arguments, he seems to think that everyone who criticizes him is, like, bashing him, like, he's like, I don't listen to these attacks, I never once listened to them, um, Candace says, like, mentions Liz Lira's name, and he goes, who, 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 and it's, like, so dumb and immature, and, like, literally like a middle school girl, um, but this, he's like, yeah, I don't listen to these attacks, I don't care, I'm too busy, and it's, like, one, you do listen to these attacks because you blocked Wesley or on Twitter <laughs> and because you are so busy, you know, bashing these people who criticize you, but they're just bashing and criticizing are different. They're not being like, oh, he's so dumb, blah, blah, blah. He should go die. No, they're being, ge- they're giving valid criticisms of your ideology and your actions. So, critic- any calling anyone who disagrees with you and criticizes you bashing you and just sending hate to you is so dumb and again is an excuse because you know no way to answer them because they're right <laughs> um yeah that's that he talks about how he's pro-life he's anti all the trans stuff which is great but then after a little bit he kind of talks himself into a corner where he ends up saying that you know if someone is so desperate to destroy their own life you know destroy their child or to destroy their own body then he kind of says you know I really have no way to help you. I am just kind of feel like we should give up. There's not really anything we can do for them. He kind of says maybe it's like Darwinism a little bit. You know, like the ones who want to kill their own are killing their own. The ones who want to destroy their own bodies are destroying their own bodies. Which means the actual, you know, people who are stable and etc. are surviving. That's just a terrible thing to say. Um, I think that these women need compassion. These people who are struggling with their identities need compassion And that just saying that, yeah, if you want to destroy your own, destroy your own is sad because we need to help them. Um, Maybe that's more my personal opinion, but I did not like that. I thought it was a very kind of non-sympathetic argument. And uh, it's just so bad. I listened to a few people respond to this interview. Candace made a follow-up and explained why she interviewed him. It was just like silly. I did not agree with what she was saying, so I'm just going to ignore that. It's whatever um but one thing this we were said that i liked was when she was talking about how you know he said that he just had to do this to survive whatever and she says that's so insulting to people who've had challenges in life you know he's saying oh i had to run a pornography business to survive she says that's so insulting to people who have had actual cha- like meaning like him who've had challenges in their life and have found ways to overcome them and work hard without giving up their morals you know, she's saying it's insulting for you to be like, yeah, in order to survive, I had to, run, I had to run a pornography business. And then these people were like, no, I also was had no food. I was also hungry. I also was in a bad place in my life, and I was poor. But I stuck to my morals, and I fought hard, and I didn't start a pornography company. So, yeah, she just said that's kind of insulting to them, and I agree. I think that was a great point. So, that was everything in the Candace interview. And really, I think that just shows how he's really tried to rebrand, but is failing at his rebrand because... Everyone knows he's just not being genuine. So yeah, that just kind of encapsulates his new era that he's in. It's weird. Now I we need to do some final thoughts. <laughs> um so number one. The clear thing thing that become has become clear through this is that we need good masculine role models. Because right now, people are fucking Tandrew Tate because they're having trouble finding alternatives. So I think one thing when we talk about that is we need to stop idolizing the celebrity. You know, your celebrities shouldn't be your role models. We can have, you know, positive influences who we see online, but the notion that your role models in life have to be celebrities is wrong. But there are definitely positive role models who are conservative. They might not seem as cool. Well, they're certainly doing cool things and they're shooting guns and they have cars and they talk about these cool things and i think we really maybe we do need conservative role models for young men but let's find actual ones let's not settle for less because we have no alternative because what you're leading down leading men down is a path that will lead them to wrongdoing path that will not lead that is you know the red pill manosphere is where it's leading them this way of thinking so and this, you know, this way of thinking about women, this way of thinking about relationships, about, um, everything being for your benefit. Yeah, so that's my thoughts on, on the role model part. Also, I need to stop comparing him to Jordan Peterson. I think Jordan Peterson is a good role model. I think he definitely has his flaws and has struggled a lot in his life, but the things he says really, and yeah, he's not as, like, attractive in the sense he's not, like, driving fast cars, and he's not, Talking about women in a a cool kind of way, which is good, I think. Um, I don't like the way Andrew Tate talks about women or relationships or his materialism, but yeah, he's not as cool. But I think he's a better role model in the sense that he is actually moral. That should be number one. Number one role model thing should not be, well, they're cool. It should be, well, they're actually have good morals. So there's um Milk Bar TV same account has posted some videos comparing the way Andrew Tate and Jordan Peterson talk and I thought it was just great It just like so encapsulated why the comparisons between that that some people on the left are making are ridiculous. Um, there's one where they talk about how they they show how both of them talk about women women and relationships. So you see Andrew Tate being like. Oh, I F this B word and I this and that, and I sleep with this many women, and you know, I just need a teacher to respect, and all these like degrading things. And you see Jordan Peterson, and he's just so articulate, and he's like, This is my relationship with my wife. And he talks like in these beautiful, like this beautiful language about how his beautiful intimacy is in a relationship, and how you know, and just he's so respectful. And it was really just showed the contrast. Another one that I liked was. They compared how they talk about books, which is kind of random, but Jordan Peterson, beautifully, like, the most articulate way I've ever seen someone describe what literature is. So, talking about, you know, how these canon books, these classic literature, how they are a part of us because of the way they've influenced everything around us today and how, you know, starting with the original text, the Bible, original, you know, influential text, the Bible, and then how that influenced Shakespeare and how Shakespeare influenced X, Y, and Z and how we've kind of these classic books are a part of us because of, you know, they, they live in the culture today. And I thought it was just like much more articulate than I could ever say. I wish I could play it. I just feel like I played way really too many clips, but it was great. It was just beautiful. And then it shows like Andrew Tate being like, I don't read books because I'm too smart to read books. I need action. I need constant movement. I don't read books. Books are for dumb people. And it would just like showed the contrast between the two of them. And it kind of, it makes sense that Andrew Tate doesn't read books. He is not the type to read books. Um, and I think he's missing out. And I think that he just, he likes to seem like he's better than everyone else. So if everyone else needs to read books, he doesn't need to read books. I think he would benefit by reading some books. Um, <laughs> um, it's funny because, it, that's actually funny because you remember the article right at the very beginning where it's talking about the red pill manosphere and it's saying these men are, you know, focusing on, you know, hysteria and they're, and they're, just whining about women and relationships etc but they really should just you know being finding meaning in things and you know being being given advice about relationships that's good advice and they should be reading austin and dostoevsky um and actually finding meaning in their lives and i thought that was funny because you know it, it 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 charts makes sense that andrew Tate, is talking this way about books when that's actually not going to lead young men down a good path um also one more thing about this is that people are naive and I think we don't realize that, you know, there have been master manipulators in history, cult leaders, influential politicians, they know how to manipulate you. So the notion that Andrew and Tristan Tate must actually believe everything they're saying and are actually being honest doesn't, like, it's naive because, Who's to say they aren't master manipulators? They seem to be based on the way they've talked about how they run their pornography business. So why are we all of a sudden now saying that they can't be manipulating us? There's no way that Andrew Tate was lying in his candid someone's interview. What do you mean there's no way? Of course there's a way. So that's one thing I wanted to mention. Now to conclude and to come back to that Twitter thread at the very beginning, you know, men and women are different, but they both have value to add. Red Pill Manosphere does not recognize that value because men are disenfranchised. People like Andrew Tate who exploit women don't see the value they add to relationships. And even if they cha- even if what the, what Andrew Tate says now is in contrast to that, you know, the, his old clips, which he were years of his life, which he says said were not that bad, you know, um, kind of paint a different picture. But we need to stop, really what I'm trying to say is we need to stop pitting the genders against each other, we need to stop, you know, being like, okay, all women are like this, and here's how you as a man can get control of women, and etc., and women being like, men are all bad, and, you know, men being like, or, or men, in another part of the red pill men being like, all women are like this, so just be an incel, you know, p- p- pitting women against each, p- pitting the genders, women and men against each other, is bad, Tradition is the only thing that is gonna save this society. People like Andrew Tate are not traditional and they pit men women against each he pits men and women against each other without even realizing it just by the way he talks about women and the way feminists talk about men. None of these things are gonna lead to a flourishing society, to a healthy society, to a moral society. The only thing that will is embracing tradition, rejecting all of this red pill stuff, all of the feminism. And going back to tradition, nah, and talk, to tradition, and seeing the unique role that men and women each uniquely play, not discrediting either of those roles, as the Twitter thread at the very beginning of this, in the first part, said. Yeah, so that's all I have to say. Um, now I'm going to give some recommendations for content, as usual. So, okay, first thing I'm going to recommend is the best um. The just most beautiful, amazing um, <laughs> TED Talk ever, it's about classical music. It's called The Transformative Power of Classical Music. It's by Benjamin Zander, and I recommend this if you like classical music, if you hate it, if you play music, if you don't, I don't care. It was a just a beautiful speech. So, what he kind of talks about is kind of how classical music, like, how... It, you know, how the way that it it is, you know, how the way it was composed, it, what it, how it is meant to make you feel, how it, you know, kind of encapsulates the human experience in a way, and how you, as someone who plays classical music, which I play piano, so I found this, you know, very useful, can play the music in a way that understands what it's trying to say. And it was just such a beautiful piece that I think can help people appreciate classical music because I think there's such an underappreciation of it today, obviously. But you know, he starts by playing this um, this Mozart piece, and he shows you know how with maturity how the way you change it play change, how the way you play changes. Um, and how that shows an increased understanding of the music. And then the majority of his speech, he focuses on this beautiful Chopin um, number four in E minor. And it's funny because I play both of those pieces that he mentioned, and I was able to totally transform the way that I played those pieces just by understanding what Chopin and Mozart, mostly the Chopin one because it was, was his focus, what Chopin was trying to say with this piece, and how it's meant to make you feel, he tells stories about how, you know, he'd give this speech in Ireland in the 90s, when there was all this conflict between, you know, Protestants and Catholics, and how this one, you know, kid came up to him, and was like, you know, my brother died, and I never was able to cry, but then he played this prelude, this Chopin piece, and I was able to cry, because, you know, it's meant to invoke feelings, and if you play it correctly, it will invoke those feelings, because it is such a beautiful way of expressing yourself. I just think, people who chalk up classical music just so oh, it's just old and and it's boring it's so sad it's beautiful and it's just as versatile and unique and expansive as any other genre of music if not more you know anyone who thinks that rap is brilliant and nuanced and discredits classical music uh, how <laughs> what, what why um but you know just like there's different types of any genre of music there's You know, there's the Baroque period, and then there's the classical period, and the Romantic period, Impressionism. There's all these different periods of classical music, and they all sound different, you know? Mozart has a very, very different way of composing a piece than Beethoven, you know? And learning to appreciate that and learning what the musicians are trying to say is so important, and it changes the way you experience music. You know, you start to listen to music differently changes the way you play music. It was just an incredible speech and I highly recommend for everyone, musician, non-musician, plays five instruments and never touched an instrument in their life. It doesn't matter. It was just a powerful piece about music and what it does for you as a person, does to your heart and your mind and how you can play if you play to help express that. And it was just beautiful. And it's kind of funny because then I saw these like TikToks going around. I don't know if they're like it's an old trend or a new trend. I'm not on TikTok. I just saw these videos elsewhere, and it just made me think of this this TED Talk. It's basically this TikTok where it's these people, you know, they sit and they're like trying to do homework at their desk, whatever. And it says like it says um, like trying to do class, trying to. Someone told me like you're trying to do your homework to focus, put on classical music, and then Can Can starts playing. Which Can Can is a it's a classical piece. It's often Bach, and then all of a sudden it's like this really catchy, you know, it's can-can, it's catchy, and they get up and start dancing, and it's just so funny because it's like just putting classical music all in the same category and not appreciating it for the nuance that it is, you know, and the different styles and the different pieces and different composers, different eras, all these different, you know, periods of classical music and different ways people, you know, different emotions are supposed to invoke. It's so important to make that distinction, you know, so I'm gonna recommend a few. I think just pieces that help helped me better appreciate classical music. I mean, obviously, I've always appreciated it. I've played it, and I still am learning it, and I'm, you know, learning to pre- appreciate it more and every every day. But I wanna um, recommend a few like pieces that are like well known. I don't wanna recommend. I mean, I mostly listen to well known things just because. I mean, I enjoy them. Um, but I don't wanna recommend anything that like you wouldn't recognize and that um, I think people would have trouble appreciating right away, but I think, when I'm thinking of when I listen to music, what makes me feel the most connected, which pieces make me feel the most connected to classical music, I immediately think of Liszt's Liebenstrom number three, um, you've probably all heard it, it's a very, like, popular piece, I wish I could play it one day, hopefully, but right now, we're not there yet, um, but it's just an emotional, and it's just, you feel the music. I've never felt the music so much as when I listen to this piece. I'm going to recommend Moonlight Sonata. It's like such a cliche answer, but all three movements are great. Um, everyone pretty much has heard the first and third movement. Third movement is like rage. And it's just, it just, it's funny because it's like, Listen to the third movie of Moon Sonata and listen to Claire de Lune. And it's like, anyone who says classical music is all the same. It's like, where have you been? Even classical piano music. Where have you been? What are, you're missing out on a lot. Because every single emotion, every single thing you want to feel, classical music expresses it, you know? You listen to Japan's Winter Wind Etude. And then you listen to an extremely peaceful, I, I don't know, sonata. And it's like, these pieces aren't the same, these styles aren't the same, these composers are all individuals, just like any musician today is an individual who has a unique style. And it's and they're not even, at the same time, everyone just thinks it's like, old people a 500 years ago. No. And more than that, they interact with each other, they're inspired by each other. And it's just, like we need to learn to appreciate it more. I think that if we learn to appreciate classic literature, classic music, um, classical culture, we would have a lot more, if you had a lot more appreciation for that, I think society would be in a lot better place. So, anything else I, like, that I love to listen to all the time, I think if you want to learn about what, like, if you want to really study like If you want to listen to a piece and be like, there's so much going on here and I find it fascinating. Um, I mean, this is kind of like, it's overwhelming because um, it's just, everyone's just confused by what Beethoven was doing here, but it's brilliant at the same time. His Hammerklavier Sonata. And it's just like, there's so much going on, but you also, if you really like listen to what he's doing, it's so smart. Um, I would recommend, yeah, I mean, it's simple. It's what recommend it because it's what is play is played in the ted talk you know it's chopin's fourth prelude um it's an e minor it's haunting and beautiful and tragic and there's so many pieces like this i'm trying to think if there's anything else that really stands out i mean there's tons that stands out stand out but i don't want to like give too much but i think these are good things that can introduce you to classical music Um, Turkish March is another good one because it's very well-known, but it's also very different. Like, listen to Turkish March and Claire de Lune, different composers, different time periods. They're not, these are not the same, not all classical music is the same. It's just, uh, so yeah, those are, like, some well-known classical pieces that I think show the breadth and also the brilliance of classical music. Um, yeah, (laughs) it was a rant, but I could talk for longer. Um, but I'm not going to. Also, what I want to recommend... Okay, so this is British... Just Fe- said British. Bridget Phetasy. Um, I don't know if anyone has heard of her. She's pretty well known. She's like a commentator. She's probably would describe herself as a classical liberal, but like anyone who's anywhere that isn't trans the kids, kill the babies. Like if you aren't that, you're pretty much considered right today. So she's like probably would be considered a right-wing extremist by anyone on the left. Um, but yeah, she's like normal... Right, she's a podcast so she also has a sub stack which is like you know she writes articles for um like on her own little like page basically and around a year ago she wrote this piece that like went super viral and a lot of conservatives were like celebrating her for it and i just thought it was so brave and beautiful for her to write um and i i feel like i shouldn't have used the like brave and beautiful because i feel like that's such a liberal thing like oh how brave and beautiful and whatever but like no i actually mean it um it's called i regret being a slut And she basically talks about how she fell into this, you know, like, societal notion of hookup culture and was just totally involved in it. And then she realized, you know, the harm it was doing her and she realized that this this isn't something we should be encouraging young women to do. And it's just a really vulnerable personal piece. I feel like I should read an excerpt from it just to convince you to read it. It's just like an article. It's like not even that long, take you like five, 10 minutes to read. And it's just like, so brave of her to admit, you know, a lot of people will not admit their past mistakes, she just so openly admits her past mistakes, and is committed to, you know, educating people about the realities of hookup culture, and it's, it's just such a powerful piece, and she is such an inspiration, she's, I think, one of, like, when I think of, like, people who just are inspiring, even if I don't always agree with them, she's definitely up there, so I feel like I should read an excerpt from um from that so it's just a very powerful piece um so she writes this is like just an excerpt of um of the piece i lost my virginity at 17 to my boss at a restaurant where i worked And a year later, I experienced my first sexual trauma. I felt damaged and dirty and I blamed myself. Everyone responds differently to these situations. I dealt with the overwhelming shame by becoming hypersexual and promiscuous. The culture was right there to pick me up and dust me off. I doubled down on being a proud slut and internalized the biggest and most damaging lie. That love with sex is empowering. I basked in the girl power glow of that delusion for decades. Weaponizing my sexuality while convincing myself I was full of the divine feminine. I was full of whatever i'm not gonna say it i told myself that because i could seduce a man i was powerful but as perry says in her book women can all too easily fail to recognize that being desired is not the same thing as being held in high esteem deep down inside i knew that that to be the case but as a defense mechanism i crafted a man eater persona and then she goes on and she just talks about how you know she was so broken and really that's what the piece is about how she was so broken and she filled that void by just becoming so promiscuous because that was how she responded to it and the culture encouraged it but really she was just really struggling and was unhappy in these relationships and it's just a great piece and a very brave piece and conservatives were celebrating it for when it came out a year ago and I give her a lot of credit for it and I think it's very cool um, so this is four hours, so I'm assuming that Future you will have broken this into two parts. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. Um, anyways, I'm just gonna end this. You know, follow me everywhere. I, like, still have my Twitter and Instagram, like, posted in, like, my description of the podcast. I never, like, use the Instagram, but I do use the Twitter. Um, mostly just, like, I don't really post on it, but I occasionally, maybe. Um, so maybe follow me there if you want. Um, but mostly, yeah, you just know, check five stars, you know, re- review, rate, I don't know, all those things. Um, yeah, this has been a wild ride, and I hope that I was able to shine some light on this whole situation. Uh, yeah, bye guys. Thanks for turning right.